Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up, two o'clock on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. Here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Hold on, Burns. I got the Uber Eats guy in the studio right now bringing me a meal. Hold on, hold on. We'll be... Right, okay. I keep keep the change. No, it's all right. Yeah, keep the change. All right, thanks. Right. No, I got I got a show to do, dude. You got to go. You got to You got to get out of the studio. Okay, okay. All right, thanks. Yeah, sorry about that. I was had you oh, okay. guy no, here. I just had to... Same guy as last night same during guy. that uh, basketball game. Yeah, same guy. Yeah, same guy. I, Who ordered was, McDonald's? Was... Who ordered McDonald's? Who that, got the McDonald's? That like, come had to be on, a man. setup, man. That couldn't be real. Oh, that couldn't totally. be real. It, it, they, the whole the guy had a lavalier microphone clip to him. Of course, it was a setup. Yeah, it was a total. He had a, he had one of those clip-on microphones that the, the TV anchor types wear. Yeah, it was a total total setup. It was funny. It was funny to watch it, but it was a total complete one hundred percent setup. Right, Absolutely, yeah. I didn't yeah, know but, if it was. I don't know if they've said it was, but it, I mean, you would think it had to be. Uh, well, I'm glad you asked because uh, Duquesne University confirmed to yeah. a reporter that I'm not familiar with that the DoorDash delivery that interrupted last night's Duquesne Loyola Chicago basketball game was in fact a prank. Quote, this was a prank planned in advance, done for internet exposure. We determined that the individual was wearing a microphone while someone filmed him as he walked onto the court during active play. While the incident may have seemed funny at the time and no harm was done, we are mindful that incidents like this can put players and officials at risk. There he is. Yeah, right there there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This guy is actually, who's he delivering it to? The ref. The, the, the ref said later. Give it to me later. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> got a Big Mac? Large uh, fry and medium Coke? Well, I'll tell you, when you're stuck working from home, uh, DoorDash, Uber Eats, that's great, right? Because, you know, I'm stuck here with the COVID thing, and DoorDash is just a, whatever I want, man. I just, just a, it's a, not even a phone call away. Just get on the app and bang, 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 and here's like right huh? my house. Look at just that. like that. It's I just leave it at the doorstep deal. for you? Yep. Just walk out, grab it, and it's yeah. like gourmet what'd you, meals. What would you, you have today? Oh, I didn't use it today. I'm just saying because I'm going to be here for a while. It, it will be ni- I, at some point. I will use that absolutely and have some gourmet dish brought to wow, my okay. brought to my door. All right. No doubt. Uh, it, nothing, of course. By the way, you owe, me, you owe me lunch. So if you, I know, you, know, well, you want to use DoorDash to bring me lunch, yeah, it's going to be a while to well. pay up. Yeah. I'm stuck. I'm in the, you want me to DoorDash you too? I, I can't. I'm kind of stuck I mean, here for you. a while. Yeah. All right. I know. I know. It's it's that's where we are. Uh, speaking of meals. And lunch and coaches. Okay, we weren't talking about coaches, but we were talking about the other stuff. Here's our top story of the day on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Arizona Sports. <laughs> Sean Payton. Update. 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 He's a domino has fallen. With Michael Bidwell. Yeah, well, okay. A, a domino has fallen. Yes. Frank Reich is now the coach of the Carolina Panthers. Yes. Sean Payton is reportedly having lunch with Michael Bidwell as we speak. Wow. All right. There you go. Do you think, do you think they door dashed it? Do you it's, think they Uber eated that? It's just lunch. 
<laughs> it is just, it is it's just, just lunch. lunch. Uh, yes, is a domino a fell app today. or something like that. Is that a dating app for professionals? It's uh, just lunch. I, you yes. know, I'm, I think it is. I'm, I'm sure there's people fi- listening right now. I did that. I, yeah. I'm not familiar with the dating app, Scambo. You'll have to go ask somebody else. I'm not quite sure, but uh, I, that sounds kind of familiar. I don't no. know. It's the just the Carolina Panthers have agreed to terms with Frank Reich to be their new head coach. Finally, uh, right through when it comes to coaching search 2023. The Carolina Panthers have become the first team to hire a head coach. Ironically, or coincidentally, it becomes the guy who threw the first ever touchdown pass in the history of the Carolina Panthers. He was the starting quarterback. He was the first yeah, starting quarterback ever. He got benched for Kerry Collins. I did not realize that until I read yeah. that this morning. So it all kind of co- he's got a lot of family in the area. Apparently, he was. Um, I think I even read that he attended seminary in Charlotte for a while before going into coaching. So for him, Carolina, there's it's kind of a home connection. So now a domino has fallen. A coach has been hired. It was a coach on the Cardinals list. We'll tell you about the Sean Payton stuff in a minute because we got some reports coming out about that. But one down, Gambo, and it's one off. Of the Cardinals list, yes, and the Cardinals have interviewed. I think it's seven guys, seven, and this is the first one. Frank Reich, he was a former wide receiver coach in Arizona. I mean, he was a he had the one great moment as a as a quarterback for the Buffalo Bills and leading what then was the most historic comeback in the history of football, rallying to beat Houston in the playoffs in overtime when they were down so big. That got surpassed by the Minnesota comeback this year over the Colts, um, which he got fired from that job. But then you know he served in a lot of different roles. I mean, he was with the Colts, he was with the Cardinals, he was with the Chargers, he was with the Eagles, ended up becoming the head coach of the Colts. He's a quarterback guy, right? He's a quarterback guru. He's in Indianapolis. They just had a revolving door. He worked with Luck and then Rivers and then Wentz and then Brissett and then Matt Ryan. They couldn't they couldn't get a quarterback to stay more than one year. Uh, really got screwed when Luck decided to retire because they had a good team that year. Won 10 games and they were on their way. So, But that's a good name. It's a name that we talked quite a bit about. Matter of fact, the Recently, we've said there's probably three guys that could get this job. And we said it's either Quinn, Flores, or Reich. Well, now one of those guys is off. So uh, unless you put Peyton in the mix, and maybe he will be in the mix, you've still got Quinn and Flores out there as well. Yeah, and and I think, you know, unless you really wanted Frank Reich for the job, and maybe some people out there did. We spoke yesterday about, you know, one website. I think it was Bleacher Report that kind of said, you know, Frank Reich would be our pick if we were the Cardinals. That was just kind of one guy wanted opinion, but unless you really wanted Frank Reich, it it sort of feels like your options out there for the Cardinals are kind of wide open still at this point. Brian Flores today interviewed with the Vikings for their defensive coordinator job. Obviously, the head coaching job isn't there, but for the D.C. job there. Dan Quinn is going to have a second interview now, I believe, with the Indianapolis Colts, so maybe that puts a little pressure on the Cardinals to get something done there. Of course, a lot of people think the Colts are going to end up hiring Jeff Saturday when it's all said and done. I can't believe that. I just can't believe that. You can't believe what now? That they would hire Saturday. I can't can't believe that they would I can't believe that they would hire him. Yeah, that just that doesn't make that I, that to me is a an owner. I mean, we talk about meddling owners, right? We talk about owners who just should kind of keep their nose out of the business. And I get it; it's their business. I get it; it's the team they own. But come on, you got your entire football operations staff telling you to hire somebody else, or at least not hire this one guy, and you're going to go against all of them and hire the one guy. That boy, that is just all kinds of dysfunction, right there. Now, 
As far as Sean Payton goes, let me pass along the latest with this, and this is coming to us from Kyle Odegaard, used to write for azcardinals.com. Now he writes for compare.bet. He is reporting that Sean Payton is indeed in Arizona today. He's meeting with the Cardinals. He's been on site for much of the day. He spent he met for some time with owner Michael Bidwell and the rest of an interview panel that included Chief People Officer Sean Mayo, Senior VP of Media Relations Mark Dalton, Senior VP of Marketing Lisa Manning, and others. Apparently there was lunch involved. And then I'm going to throw this out there. This is coming to us from Mark Maskey. He is an NFL writer, Gambo, with the Washington Post. And he's reporting, A, obviously the Panthers are no longer an option for Sean Payton. They just hired Frank Reich today. And that, two, there was an issue with Payton's interview with the Broncos. Apparently Payton likes the idea of coaching Russell Wilson and having that defense, but he's worried about a potential power struggle with a member of the ownership group, so he might not be that down with coaching with the Denver Broncos. If they want it, if they're willing to pay the price, if the price is still the same, is there a window now for the Cardinals to go get Sean Payton because no one else is interested? Very interesting, right? The, the the Walmart guy is the main, the main owner, but it is a six-person ownership group for the Denver Broncos. So the main guy is Rob Walton. He's the Walmart heir, but his daughter Water is also part of it and is a Starbucks CEO and uh, a former secretary of Condoleezza Rice, is a Formula One guy. I mean, it's a pretty, you know, big group, but it is a six person ownership group. So, um, you know, they're saying that they're. According to uh, one of the guys, you know, Penner led the interview with Peyton while Rice and general manager George Patton participated. The reported dispute with ownership comes after D'Amico Ryans has emerged as a top candidate. So maybe somebody there is pushing for D'Amico Ryans instead of Sean Payton. Not sure, but it is interesting that there could be a rift between him and somebody in that ownership group. Yeah, and some have suggested that maybe it's Condoleezza Rice. Nobody knows for sure. Again, that's just kind of a suggestion that's been floating out there it's it's but and i guess my overall arching point is, is that unless you believe dan quinn is going to the colts the cardinals might really be able to have their pick here now i i think the big thing with peyton and we've talked about this basically since the story came down is the draft compensation and the money too but i think you and i are less worried about the money because it's not your money it's not my money it's michael's money he can do with it whatever he wants um i i think it's about the draft pick compensation would the saints really, truly pass up on what amounts to basically a free third-round pick because they stick to their guns and they say, nope, we've got to have a first-round pick for Sean Payton. We will only take a first-round pick for Sean Payton because if there's no marketplace for Sean Payton, does that force the Saints into lowering their asking price in a trade knowing that the market just hasn't really developed for their guy as a head coach? That, to me, is something to watch in all of this. If the if the Saints feel like they have to lower their asking price a little bit. I, you know, listen, we've talked talked about this time and time again. I, I really do think that the times have changed. Like, yeah. the times have changed. Like, you know, what was a first-round pick 20 years ago may not be a first-round pick now. You know, Bill Belichick was 2000. John Gruden was 2002. Par, you know, when Parcells was in that time frame. I mean, you're it's a long time ago. It's a long, long time ago. I mean, what was good in 2000 may not be good now. 2002, like, Parcells was 97. That was 25 years ago. 
So right. I don't I don't understand. Like if you're the Saints, like you want to risk getting nothing, okay? Because you're going to hold your guns for something that happened 25 years ago. I need to happen. I, I need to get what 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 they got for Parcells 25 years ago. Well, have at it. You may get nothing because if nobody's going to want to give you a first round pick, you may end up with zero. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, the Phoenix Suns are back in action tonight. They are looking for win number five in a row against a team that could really use a win to stop their own problems. That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back on this Thursday afternoon. Hanging out with us, as always, it's appreciated. Gambo back there in the Auction Community Studios. I am working from home again today. Thanks for making us part of your Thursday afternoon. Suns, Mavs tonight. I forgot about this, Gambo. I remember when the schedule came out. This is all part of a broader rivalry week in the NBA. NBA specifically tried to... Uh, a bunch of what they consider to be rivals and rivalries into their national broadcast schedule this week, which I suppose explains why the Suns and the Mavs are on TV tonight, because that is apparently our new rival here in Phoenix, right? We've been, it feels like we've yeah, been talking about yeah. this since last May. This is our new rival here sure. with the Suns. I mean, it is, it is a good rivalry. It is. And, you know, the Mavs took out the Suns last year in the second round of the playoffs. It was a devastating loss for Suns fans after breaking out a can of whoop-ass on them the first two games and, you know, then losing game seven at home. I mean, after losing game six, it was very devastating. And that loss has been sitting in their stomach all year. I mean, it was a chance to win a championship, best record in the NBA, and it was just a bad matchup. Now, the Mavs are not the same team this year. They traded Brunson. They brought in Christian Wood, who's terrible defensively, just terrible. And they've really struggled defensively because of injuries. They haven't had Maxi Kleber, and he is a key to their defense, Maxi Kleber. And Dorian Finney-Smith, who I believe they could move. I would not be surprised if they traded Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, I think that Dorian Finney-Smith being out, Maxi Kleber being out, I think that's part of the reason you've seen that defense of the Mavericks struggle quite a bit. That is part of the problem, and their defense has been... You compare their defense with some of the other really bad defenses in the NBA, and it's a miracle Dallas doesn't have one of the worst records in the NBA. You compare their defensive rating to the other teams that are just as bad as they are. You're looking at Charlotte. You're looking at Houston. You're looking at the Spurs. You're looking, at, And that's probably a testament to Luka and how great he is that he's been able to kind of carry them beyond that. But their struggles are pronounced right now. They've had, and they're, they're going through a stretch where they're about to start again against a bunch of Western Conference teams that they're all bunched in with, just like the Phoenix Suns are. This is the beginning of a really crucial stretch for Dallas, and their defense has really, really let them down during this yeah, time. Yeah, listen, there's no question. I've said this many times. The Mavericks are, are they're, they're not expecting to win a championship this year, okay? That's why they let Brunson go. They're saving money. They're saving draft picks. I think if they trade Dorian Finney-Smith and can get a first back, I think they would be very interested in doing that. Keep your eye on that. But their goal is simply is, is to get to the offseason and go get one of those big threes. Go get a Zach Levine. Go get an OG Ananobi. They're going to be all in on bringing another star to Dallas to pair with Luka. They knew it wouldn't be this year, which is why they didn't you know, keep Brunson. And they brought in Wood, but their plan has always been to get to this offseason and go get a bona fide star to pair with Luka, which again, could be somebody 
everybody, I, I expected to be a three. It could be Zach Levine. It could be OG Ananobi. Maybe it's a different player, but that's their plan. In the meantime, they do cause matchup problems for Phoenix because Luke is a matchup problem. And when they get Maxi Kleber back, and they expect him back very soon, he'll make a big difference in their defense because he's a real key to their defense. His ability to pop out and shoot the ball and uh, ability to you know go out on switches and everything like that. They use him quite a bit. So um, you know when that happens, when they get him back, they'll be they should be better. But they're in a dogfight. I mean, you look you look at the standings, and you know uh, as we've seen with Phoenix, right, one, three, or four game losing streak or winning streak either way can really affect where you are in the standings. So I just pulled up the NBA standings right now, and this is okay. So from from the fourth seed. All the way down to the 13th seed, okay? 4 to 13. It goes 23 losses, 24, 24, 24, 25, 24, 26, 25, 25, 26. From 4 until 13, the seeds in the West. If you're just looking at the loss column, there's no separation of any more than three games. The best has 23 losses. Worst has 26 losses. Everybody else is in the middle. That includes Dallas. That includes the Suns. They, they're tied. They have the same record, 25 and 24. Dallas has the tiebreaker right now, so they're sixth. The Suns are seventh. But you can see how this stretch for Dallas, how crucial it is from their standpoint. Of course, the Suns, every game is crucial for them. Everybody bunched in so tightly right now in the West. Every single game matters if you're a believer that seeding matters. And and we've had that conversation a lot too, you and I, like how much stock we want to put into seeding right now for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I don't think you put a lot of a lot of stock into it. You just have to get your guys back. Now, I did hear today um, that there are expectations that Devin Booker will be back sometime next week. The Suns okay. have home games against Toronto on Monday. Monday and Atlanta on Wednesday, but there are expectations that Booker should be able to go in one of those games. They play Monday against Toronto, Wednesday against Atlanta, then they're on the road Friday and Saturday, back-to-backs Boston and Detroit. Now, they do have a game this Saturday in two days against San Antonio. That's on the road. I wouldn't expect them back by that game, but what I'm hearing, I would, I would expect that the Suns will get Devin Booker back in the line lineup uh, for one of those games at home next week, either Monday or Wednesday. DeAndre Ayton is back tonight. Uh, he's still being listed as, I think, probable for the game, but he basically opened his press conference today after, pra- after practice and said, I'm back. Yeah. Um, so and that's what I exactly said sh- the other day. Yeah. I expected him back for the Dallas game is what I was hearing. Yeah. He's he's back. Here's what he said before practice today. Man, I don't even know. I was like, oh, my baby boy. Sorry to throw you under the bus, Junior, but still. <laughs> I think I caught it from him, man. He wasn't feeling too well. Got some wheezing going on and stuff like that. Then his mind being in his face until he got better. So it came on to us. What? It knocked me down, but I'm back up, man. Blaming the kid for his illness. Boy, I don't know about that, Gamble. Listen, you know me. There's always a blame game. You got COVID. There's somebody to blame for that. You didn't have it. Somebody gave it to you. There's somebody is, to blame yes. for that. Yeah, it is. He got sick. So, yep, there's always somebody to blame. Remember that in life. It's a good life lesson. All you young kids, too. It's always somebody to blame. 
Which, mm-hmm. by the way, it is like the most mild case of COVID ever. I mean, it, it, like 36 hours and I feel fine. It was really not that big of a deal. But, you know, we've got protocols and rules and all that stuff. So I'm working from home. But, yes, there. I, I, I wish I knew who to blame for giving me COVID. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fun if you could kind of trace back to the exact person and who it was who gave it to you? I'd love yeah, to know that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Remember, there is always somebody to blame. Sometimes it's yourself. Eating, like, sometimes you blame yourself. Yeah, of yourself. course. So, yeah, like you're being irresponsible, yeah. you know, going around in door handle, mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, what do you think was going to happen? I, I didn't do any of that stuff. But, yeah, sometimes it's yourself to blame. The, I'll be curious to see what sort of a lift they get from DeAndre Eaton being back. Because, I mean, let's call it like it is. They've played fine without him. You know, like with their 9-1 without DeAndre Eaton. Now, I'm not Crazy. saying he's not essential to what they do, but they've won 90% of the games they've played this year. with Like, we knew the lift was coming with Cam Johnson. We knew the lift was coming with Chris Paul. Is there a lift with DeAndre Ayton when they've won 90% of the games that they've played without him so far? I don't know. I'll be curious to see tonight. Well, listen, I mean, I think that they need to get him back. Even though they've won games without him, you know, getting a player like that, that who's back, who's very capable of in, in certain matchups of absolutely dominating, you want to get that, you know? He is, you know, not not because of the money, not because he's a max player, but because he's a good player. DeAndre Ayton's not a bad player. He's a good player. And right now, when you're shorthanded with all these guys out, you could use all the good players that you can get your hands on. So I think, you know, I had heard that he'd be back for this game against Dallas. We reported that the other day. And then uh, as I'm telling people now, I'm hearing that Devin Booker should be back next week. I can't tell you the exact game. There are four games next week. Two of them are at home, but I would expect he'll be back for one of those games. That's exciting. Looking forward to Devin. Because when Devin Booker gets back, okay, now you've got everybody back. And now you find now you got to keep everybody back. But now you're back. You're whole. You're ready to go. What kind of run can you go on? Where do you end up? Are you the fourth seed? Are you the fifth seed? Can you keep everybody whole? Can that version of the Suns, depending on what you do with the trade deadline with Jay, which we're going to talk about in the very next segment, can that team make a run? When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Jay Crowder's market has been very much in flux as the season has gone on. What is that market right now? We will talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, let's go back there to the studio. Let's check in with Eric Ruby. He's got our Twitter poll question of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. How's it going, guys? Good. Good, you're feeling good. good. Big game tonight. Yeah, big Suns, game tonight. Mavericks. Mm. Now, Mavs are currently sitting at the sixth seed in the West with the Suns tied with them at 25 and 24. That means where they're currently standing, they're looking at maybe a top four matchup in the first round. So today's question is, who out of the top four seeds in the Western Conference makes you the most uneasy if the Suns play them come playoff time? Your four options are the one seed, the Denver Nuggets, the two seed, Memphis Grizzlies, the three seed Sacramento Kings and the fourth seed New Orleans Pelicans Denver the Broncos worry me the most they're playing great basketball Yes, Russell Wilson at the point guard position. He's a he's a, a maestro with the ball in his hands. I'm more worried about the Denver Nuggets than anybody else. Absolutely. Denver Nuggets is not leading the way. In fact, leading the way is New Orleans Pelicans, 53.9%. Rolling with New Orleans making them the most uneasy. In second place is the one seed Denver Nuggets at 27.4%. Pretty significant drop off. Third place, 15.2% is the Memphis Grizzlies. And sorry, Kings fans, you can light the beam, but only 3.5% are most uneasy playing you. All right, there you go. 
the, the, the blatant disrespect for the Sacramento Kings. That, that's, I mean, expected, but the blatant disrespect. No, the, no respect for Sacramento. The GM just got a contract extension with the success that they've had. Oh, the Sacramento GM just got a contract extension with how well they've what played. what they've done. Yeah, look at what they've done. Gambo, two weeks from today is the NBA tread deadline. There what we do we think is going to happen with Jay Crowder two weeks from today? I think, I think he's going to get traded. I mean, the team that I would focus on the most is Miami. I mean, I would... I'm not 100% sure. I've shot down a lot of the rumors so far, but I, you know, I think Miami knows him. They like him. It makes a little bit of sense there. I know some people are saying Milwaukee, especially with the Portis injury. Um, but I, you know, I would expect that, I would expect that, that, that he'll get traded. I would, I would lean towards an Eastern Conference team, but I don't, you know, really, you know, know for sure. Um, I just, they believe that they're going to have him traded by the deadline. Because what's the option if the deadline passes? Then you just you know you buy him out and you let him go somewhere and you get nothing for him. So I don't think that's going to happen. This is Zach Lowe on his podcast with Bobby Marks. And if you're starting to wonder why maybe this has taken so long, and we'll get into the latest kind of round of rumors and things like that. But here's Zach Lowe kind of spelling out what he had heard the subs are looking for when it comes to a Jay Crowder trade. Someone told me that uh, that has some interest in Crowder that the Suns seem to want two of the following three things. A good young player, a first-round pick, in a rotation, almost a starter Crowder level player, two of those three. And it's like, that's cool. Like, that's why Jay Crowder hasn't been traded yet. Are the Suns asking for too much? Are the no. Suns playing the role of the no. New Orleans Saints here and asking too much no. for Sean Payton? Are no. the Suns asking for too much? No, what have I said all along? I said they understand that Jay Crowder is an expiring contract, a non-athletic older player who's a role player. They, they, that's what they expect back. I'm, would they prefer to get a younger guy back? Of course. Of course they prefer to get somebody younger that they could look at and say maybe this guy will be worth keeping. Of course they would rather have that. And so that's why I didn't shoot down Rui Hachimura and I said that they were actually in on that and there were conversations to try to get him. Younger player, restricted free agent, maybe you try to keep him. I think they probably would have. I think that they prefer that but are they asking for a young player and a first round? No, I don't think that it goes that far. It's very much, they understand that what they're going to get back for him is a, another role player. Now, would, would their preference be a younger role player? Sure, it would because that would give them the opportunity to maybe keep that guy where a veteran, older guy might be somebody that they just use for the rest of the season and then don't bring back. Two of the following three things. A good young player, a first-round pick, and a rotation, almost starter, Crowder-level player. Two of those three. Um, uh, now, look... Uh, that's untenable. That's impossible. You're, you're not, and, and I, I can't. If that's maybe initially what the Suns were hoping to get in a Jay Crowder trade back in October, September, when all of this started, God, it seems like forever ago. Surely by now they've changed their target. And, and, and I mean, look, here's the the cold stark reality of it: is two weeks from right now when the trade deadline is here and upon us, they're not getting that for Jay Crowder. They have to know that James Jones has to know he's not getting any of that stuff for Jay Crowder. It, it's it's gonna. They've been in this position. Now for about a month, maybe since January 15th came and went, where you're just going to have to take whatever you can for Jay Crowder. And don't, don't take a bad deal. Don't take on a bad contract you don't want. Don't do anything like that. 
But if you're less than impressed with the Jake Crowder return, it doesn't matter. You're going to have to get something for him at some point. You're just, I, I, you're, you're almost out of options now at this point if you're the Phoenix Suns. You're running out of them for sure. I mean, you've had you know, you've had discussions for four months with teams that haven't been able to come to a deal. Now, I think you've come to the realization that you know he's worth less now. You you know teams only getting him for you know thirty games when they get him, and he hasn't played basketball in eight months. And working out all you want isn't playing basketball. Now, a team may say that. Look, I really want him for the playoffs. I just want to get him in shape and get him get him acclimated. And I'll have plenty of time to do that before the playoffs. But he's a tough, physical, hard-nosed player, and um, he's not going to have a lot of wear and tear. He's not going to be tired from this year. So there are teams that want him. Look, you know, there are definitely Miami has wanted him for a while. We know that, uh, that, that they have interest. Milwaukee definitely has interest. I think Philadelphia to some extent. I mean, the same group or te- of group of teams that had interest three, three months ago are the same teams that I'm hearing still have interest in Jay Crowder. Um, so I would expect something to get that gets done. But look, we've talked, We've talked about this for a long time. Whatever gets done is very unlikely going to blow anybody away. Like, oh, what a great trade. And when they do the trade grades, I doubt you're going to see like an A for this team and an A for that team. It's probably more going to be like a C and a C. I mean, I just, you know, I hope they get a younger player back that they think, you know, they could hold on to for the future. But if not, it's important to get somebody that can help this team right now. Look, and at this point, that's, and I've been at this point for a while, and I think you're mostly there too. I've scaled back my expectations on this thing so far and for so long now that at this point, I'm just hoping for a functional player coming off the bench who can give them minutes down the stretch during the regular season. At this point, I don't even know if he needs to be a playoff contributor for the side. Ideally, he is. Ideally, he's somebody who can give you 15 minutes a game in the playoffs. He, he's, he plays that kind of a role. But at this point, it, it just feels like we've been talking about this so long. And, and we got to look at this, too, from the other perspective, too. You know, the team acquiring Jake Crowder, man, you're getting a player who hasn't played for months and months and months. What kind of shape is he in? What is he going to be able to do when he walks in the door? How much are you going to be able to rely on him? I, I mean, yeah, he's playing pickup basketball at Lifetime Fitness, and I'm sure he's keeping in great shape. But that's not the kind of shape you need to be in to play NBA basketball and play a game every other night during the postseason. He's got about 30 games to gear himself up to that. But if I'm the acquiring team for Jay Crowder, man, I'm scared to death. He comes in, and by the time I've got him acclimated, it's almost too too late, you know. By the time I've got him acclimated, I, I haven't. I've used up why I wanted to go get him in the first place, and he's not going to make much of an impact. That probably also drives the price down for Jay Crowder and any potential deal because the, at this point, his impact is really minimalized by all this. Yeah, and there's so many teams that are like in contention for play-in game, so that hurts because some of these teams that are good don't want to give up a good player. And what's going to happen is you've got all these teams that you know, all these teams that are the kind of in the race right now, and they're all going to be picking and choosing from the four or five teams that aren't very good, and you know, this there's only so many players that could go around. I mean, unless you just find a player, like, you know, I mean, if we just look at a Caleb Martin with, with Miami, you know, a guy that, you know, recently has been playing a lot of minutes, and, you know, I think some of the guys that were mentioned was uh, you know, uh, Nikolai Jovic or Duncan Robinson, and there are players that you could probably make a trade work with, so I, I mean, I'm looking at that, Rob, Trying to find out if any of those guys 
fit. You know, I've talked about Milwaukee, and some people think that, you know, Milwaukee could be the fit. Some people think that there's a Pat Connaughton deal on the table and you could do something there. Uh, I think if there was a deal that was on the table that they liked, it would have been done already, and that, that's why it's not done. But I, I would be really shocked if we get to this point and it, it doesn't get done by the deadline. And, and it, listen, it may get done tomorrow or the next day. Maybe it doesn't even take till the deadline to get a deal done. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Philadelphia Eagles, the favorite against the San Francisco 49ers, should they be? Plus, Cincinnati's success against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have them rather cocky going into their matchup Sunday. We'll tell you what that looks like next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Of course, the AFC-NFC Championship games coming up on Sunday. On Monday, we will know who is playing in Super Bowl 57. That game, obviously, in our backyard at State Farm Stadium, hosting a Super Bowl for the fourth time in the Phoenix area history. Looking forward to that. And who is it going to be? At this point, it's anybody's guess. These teams are so evenly matched up, and it's going to be hard to know, hard to predict. I, I, I'm going with Bengals 49ers. I think that's what it's going to be. I'm not sold on it. Gamble, I'm trying to remember your pick from yesterday. It was Eagles. And early, it was an Eagles. And I think the, the Eagles. I think the Eagles take down the Bengal, the uh, 49ers. And you've got the Bengals over the Chiefs? I got the Bengals over the Chiefs, although, you know, like the video of Patrick Mahomes walking out of a press conference that they were showing on, uh, you know, Sports Center this morning. He looked good. That, hey, he didn't look yeah. like he was limping. Like, he. Whatever they did, like he wa- everybody had the video on his ankle. You didn't even see his head. You just saw the, the the foot, and he looked like he was walking fine after he did a press conference. Walked off that podium like a boss, man. He walked down those stairs like a boss. He walked down that hallway like a boss. I'm sure he's going to be good to go on Sunday with no problems whatsoever. Um, yeah, that 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 ankle is going to be the most overanalyzed limb in all of sports. Um, it could be any matchup. They're all that evenly matched. Uh, you. you and I don't think we're going to get a bad Super Bowl matchup because these teams are so evenly matched. If it's the Eagles, I, I love this story that you sent over me today because there's so much that we can kind of pick from it, especially when sort of thinking about the Cardinals and moving forward and rebuilding this the right way. The five things that explain the Eagles' success. And there are five things that they listed here. And I'm just going to tell you right now, Gambo, the three that jumped out to me the most. And then you comment as you want. Number one, Jalen Hurts surprised everybody. All right. Number two, Nick Sirianni found his way quickly. And then maybe my favorite was number four. They have over-invested in the offensive and defensive lines. This is a really fascinating read about the Eagles, I thought. Yeah, you, you know, you've got, when you look at it, you go through it, and they've got Kelsey and, and John, Lane Johnson, both first-team All-Pro guys, and then their guards, Siamalo and Dickerson, and their ta- other tackles, Mylata, all reliable guys. And then they've got a a lot of backups and Andre Dillard, Cam Jurgens, Jake Driscoll, who could start on a lot of other teams. So they're very, very deep on the offensive line because they just didn't want to be in a position. And what in the story it says Roseman's never wanted to be in a position where a couple of O line injuries doomed the Eagles season. That happens to a lot of teams. So they've oh, yeah. invested very heavily in the offensive line. And we've talked about their pass rush with four guys with ten sacks or more. Uh, they got a league best seventy sacks. They sacked the opposing. 
quarterback on 11.4% of their dropbacks. And it even says their second string defensive line, guys like Brandon Graham and Jordan Davis and Milton Williams and Robert Quinn could be starting on a lot of other teams. So they've got a lot of depth on the two sides of the ball that really matter. And that's part of the reason they've had such, you know, so much success. Yeah. It's, and that's something that obviously has been lacking around here, right? The, the, the depth on the offensive line, the depth on the defensive line, just a commitment to the offensive line. I was reading some story somewhere today about, uh, it was about the Rams and it was about their offensive line and how they've committed like far less draft capital to their offensive line than, but all but three teams in the NFL. Well, the Cardinals were one of the three. They just don't draft offensive linemen. They haven't drafted offensive linemen typically high under Steve Kipe. The other one, and I, I kind of skipped over it, but I don't want to. Nick Sirianni found his way quickly. And the best part about this part of the story was his realization early in his tenure that he should not be the play caller. He gave it up to his offensive coordinator. And because of that humility that he showed of, and, and uh, yeah, I'm looking at you, Cliff, that humility that he showed of, I don't need to be the play caller. I, I, I need to be the more overarching kind of head coach figure here, really allowed them to play to their strengths faster rather than waiting on Sirianni as a play caller to kind of develop and grow. I thought it was great. Yeah, and and absolutely. I mean, he's done an incredible job. They allowed him to, to, to grow, and then you look at the improvements that Hurts made this year. You look at A.J. Brown and, and, and that addition and how great that addition was for them. And there's another thing that I, there's another reason I really like the Eagles, and I, I don't know if, you, if you're going to buy this. Brock Purdy is, the, is a, a great story. Seventh round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, Right, I mean, third string quarterback. Now he's undefeated as a starter, seven and zero. Man, he, he has played only two road games since he took over. One was against the Raiders in Las Vegas, and the other against was against the Seahawks in Seattle. So he's played five games in San Francisco, including the wild card and divisional round games, the last two weeks in front of his home crowd. He's never started a game that wasn't played on the West Coast, not once. And now you've got to go, you know, and and play. Play the Eagles at the link with that pass yep. rush, and you've never played a road game in that environment. I mean, Seattle and the Raiders are your two road games. I, I just think it comes to an end here. I think, and there's no, I think there's never been a, a rookie that's that's won this game either. So I think there's a really good chance that the Eagles are going to prevail here. He is the fifth rookie quarterback to make it this far. None of the others had have advanced four. beyond yep. this round. Yeah, right. the, the rest are zero and four, and, and like you say, there's a reason for that. And, and I, I, you know, earlier in the week or late last week, I had mentioned that the Dallas test might be the toughest defensive test that he was faced. And, and upon thinking about that, I think I was wrong. I, I think this Eagles test is going to be just as ferocious, if not more so ferocious, because it's coming on the road, and because it's in Philly, and because it's on the East Coast, and because it's going to be cold. And all of that stuff. Now, he has got a ridiculously good supporting cast. I mean, the kind of guys around him that... Um that, that really can lift. He doesn't. He doesn't need to do anything special. But at some point, he's going to have to make a play, and I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to make that play in Philadelphia than it is at home against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that might be where he runs into some problems here. Yeah, and, and that Eagles defense is just incredible. I mean, you know, you're going up against a defensive line, and you know, Dallas had a good defense, but. I mean, the Eagles had five sacks on Daniel Jones. They completely take took him out of the game. The Eagles have 75 sacks this year. Defensive line has 75 
sacks. No other defensive units within 15 sacks of them. So Purdy is, has not seen a pass rush like this. He's seen some good pass rushes, but not like this. So, you know, that's where you just really, you know, the I think the quarterback edge is in favor of the Eagles, home field advantage in favor of the Eagles. So I think that, you know, Philadelphia, I think Philadelphia is just destined. I've liked San Francisco at times, and, you know, then I kind of liked Dallas a little bit after their win against Tampa. I probably got too high on them. San Francisco is very capable of winning this game. Their defense might be able to shut down Jalen Hurts. But, you know, one of the things about Hurts that's, that we've talked about in this story is just the, it's the crazy amount of design runs that they have for him and how successful they've been at it. They're calling Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead Stadium. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't upset Kansas City if I was, a, I was them. Just keep that to yourself. Bengals players are openly calling the Chiefs Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead oh, because man. of Joe Burrow's dominance over Patrick Mahomes. Careful, guys. Careful. Careful. Right? I mean, like... Yes. You know, like I, like I get it. Joe Burrow and that whole crew—they're they're, they're cocky, they're confident, they got swag, they got—they've got it all. Okay, I get all of that, man. Just be careful. I don't know if three and zero equates to dominance. Uh, I, I mean, only one of those games has been won at Arrowhead, if memory serves. I would caution the Cincinnati Bengals to be very careful about the smack that they talk about Kansas City, especially winning when they're not even trying to not let it get out like that. Open calling it Burrowhead Stadium. Careful, guys. Be very, very careful with Kansas City. Yeah, you know, everybody's picking the Bengals here. It seems like everybody's on this Bengals. They've got their number and everything. Man, wouldn't it be... That's why it's like I would never be a gambler, but wouldn't it be just normal for the Kansas City Chiefs to find a way to win that game at home? Well, I I think the reason why... It's mostly Mahomes. I I mean, if Mahomes isn't hurt, I think you're not seeing as many people thinking the Bengals are going to upset them. And I think if he's fully healthy, maybe it's a different narrative going into the week. But because Mahomes is hurt, because it's a high ankle sprain, and I know we look good coming off the podium. We joked about it at the beginning of the segment. And I, I understand at practice today, he looked good and everything seemed to be okay. High ankle sprains are tough. And those are hard to overcome. And usually that's a two, three, four week thing. And I don't know if he can count on being okay. Just Arizona like Sports. Oh, wait, Breaking whoa. news. I'm just going to say this now. This is not a hiring. However, this is confirmation that the candidacy of Dan Quinn and the Arizona Cardinals is no more. According to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, Cowboys DC Dan Quinn informed interested teams he is staying in Dallas. Oh, Jerry Jones paid him. Jerry Jones told him. I'll pay you a lot you're of my money, guy. and you're, you're my now. guy if McCarthy pay doesn't get it done. man his money. Wow. Okay. So now so. two of the three names that we that that has been bandied about heavily as the Cardinal are now off the board, Frank Reich and Dan Quinn, which may mean that if it's not Peyton, it ends up being Brian Flores, unless... Somebody, you know, an Ajiro Aviro or an Aaron Glenn blew, blew Monty Austin Ford away, and we just don't know about it. Is there any chance Vance Joseph could still get the gig? I don't, I mean, I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't know. But I don't, but I, I honestly don't know. I, at, at, at some point, Gamble, I can't tell you what, at some point this morning, that thought crossed my mind. Like, I, I wonder if. They go back to Vance. Well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting that Dan Quinn is 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 not going to take the job. I mean, Jerry Jones must have got to him somehow. 
um, and convinced him that you know that that he may end up replacing McCarthy at some point because that, yeah. that he's been. I mean, unless they could, the, could the Cowboys fire McCarthy now? <laughs> For Dan Quinn, if they're going to fire Mike McCarthy now, wouldn't they just go get Sean Payton? Wouldn't that be the guy they would want all along? Unless they anyway? really, unless they really love Quinn, yeah. I don't know, but um, boy, there's a lot to make of that. All right, we'll talk more about that when we come back. Uh, when we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show with a, a couple of games left until the All-Star break, we check in. It's our weekly segment with Coyotes GM Bill Armstrong. He'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show.